It's NBA playoff time. See what we think about each individual matchup as well as what the Jazz can do to even the series with Memphis tonight. Tune in right now to The Thatcher Effect. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts, Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Okay, sweet. So let's talk about the playoffs. So the playoffs have been going on for um, about half a week now or so, and we've got a, a good idea of what these series matchups are, are looking like, what they're going to look like in the future. Um, there's a lot of interesting ones going around the league, some different starts than what I was actually expecting. So maybe we'll start off with obviously probably the one that people have watched the most, which is Suns Lakers. So the Suns come out game one and they look, they looked really good besides Chris Paul going down and having some, some shoulder problems going in and out of the locker room. Devin Booker looked good um, as well as their contribute other contributing players. I think more, the other thing that stood out more was, how what the Lakers looked like because they didn't look like what we were used to from them in the bubble or from what we think they're going to be when they're at their prime. So, Richie, what what stood out to you from that start of that series between the Suns and the Lakers? From game one, I feel like the big reason the Suns actually won was DeAndre Ayton. He had 21 and 16, um, and yeah. he was dominating on the boards. Andre Drummond and Montrezl Harrell couldn't do anything against him. Um, they were completely helpless, and – Honestly, he did not look like he was a third-year guy. He looked like he had been in this league for a while, which is weird to say about DeAndre Ayton because I feel like he's had so many problems in his career and, like, I don't know, he hasn't really met expectations, but he is more than exceeding expectations this series. Um, Game two, though, the Lakers did something different, which they should have been doing from the start, which they should have been doing all season. They played Marc Gasol for 20 minutes, and Marc Gasol was super valuable in those 20 minutes, and he was able to – um, defend Aiton at a better level. Aiton still had a good game. He had 22 and 10, but he didn't kill them on the offensive rebounds. He didn't kill them as much. Um, Drummond also played better in game two and was able to help the Lakers. Um, so I feel like that center rotation for both teams has been really interesting. And I feel like it's a really big part of this series. Um, I think you know what you're going to get from three guys, LeBron, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker. And Chris Paul, you're not going to get what you usually get because of his injury. You know, he's not able to 
knock down his normal mid-range that will send your team out of the game. Yeah. But those three guys, they're going to give you everything you got. So you look at the center rotation, and um, I think if the Lakers centers play well, Lakers are going to win. Yeah, I absolutely saw that, especially last night. The Lakers, especially coming down in the clutch, looked like the team that we're used to seeing or that we expected from them in the playoffs. Um, mostly because I think another huge thing was I felt like a lot of the first um, the first game was a lot more ISO work. There wasn't a lot of ball movement. I felt it was pretty stagnant. And so last night going into the clutch, you saw even the even the like key players like LeBron and AD finding other prominent players like um, Caldwell Pope and um, Marc Gasol. They were, they were trying to find other players that could contribute. Because Marc Gasol, I think, he, he hit two threes towards the end of the game that were yeah. actually pretty pretty helpful. Um, and then obviously LeBron took over um, at the end, had an open three, kind of sealed the deal. So depending on Chris Paul's return, because this is going to be interesting, because I think he's the one who changed that organization to you know take them where they are this year. Um, what do you think it looks like if, say, he doesn't play maybe the next two games in L.A.? Well, think about this. The Lakers haven't – this Laker team, not a single player on this Laker team has played a single playoff game in Staples Center. So it's kind of, I don't know. That's just kind of interesting. Um, I actually never thought about that. Because last year was their first time making the playoffs, and it was obviously in the bubble. And so they're playing their first games in Staples Center. Wow. Um so I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers perform like at home. Yeah. Um, I, I think Chris Paul might become sort of a non-factor because his shoulder did not look good last night when they played. And I just don't know how fast he's going to heal. You know, he's old. Um, you can't really just play out something like that once you get to Chris Paul's age, once you get to year 16 in the league. Um, so I think that's a big problem. And I think in the end, the Lakers are going to win. And a lot of Suns fans and a lot of people will say that they won because Chris Paul got injured. Um, and I think in part, that might be true. I think it might be a more competitive series if Chris Paul is healthy. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I, I like how you pointed out DeAndre Ayton because I kind of saw, we kind of saw like a glimpse of what he could do when they went like 8-0 in the bubble last season. And I think like now in this year's playoffs, it's been, we've been able to kind of see his intensity and what he can bring to the floor, especially because I think he just really, embraces his size and just yeah. really wants to, you know, he wants to be the best center on the floor when he's out there. A young, he's a young kid, and I think he's got a really, really bright future. Um, another matchup that's super intriguing was the one that was going on at the same time last night between the Mavericks and the Clippers. This one's been, I, I don't want to say it's been surprising because in my own, in my own way, like, I think we were all kind of expecting the Clippers to do this, but at the same time, like, <laughs> You're also expecting the Clippers to go far with the team they've built and the guys they have on the floor. So now the Mavericks are up 2-0 against those LA Clippers. Um, playoff P has not shown up. <laughs> um, so what's 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 standing out to you between the, that matchup between the Mavericks and the Clippers? Luka Doncic is the reincarnation of Larry freaking Bird. That's all I, I gotta say. <laughs> I like that. That's a good analogy. So Luka Doncic has played eight total playoff games. He scored more than 39 in four of those playoff games. Wow. Just let that sink in for a second. Holy and cow. He's, he's in year three. He is absolutely playing the best basketball you could ask for for your star guy. And the Mavericks are having other guys step up. Um, Porzingis had a nice 20 last night. Tim Hardaway Jr. was incredible last night. He had 28. Maxi Kleber has 13. Um, 
they even they got good production off the bench. You got nine from Jalen Brunson, six from Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein, who's just been an absolute problem for the Mavericks, is putting up positive minutes. Um, and so that was game two. And game one, they were a lot more of the same thing. So I thought it was interesting because the Clippers tried a different defensive scheme in game two. They tried to put um, Kawhi on Luka for a little bit. And, you know, it still just didn't work. Luka is such a good player. He's able to find where if they double him, he's able to find the extra pass. He's able to find the open guy. Um, anytime that the shot clock's getting low, he's able to get his step back three, which he's been knocking down at a great rate in the playoffs. Um, I, I'm personally really stoked about this series because I want to see the Clippers go down. They they put, performed the best tank ever to get their exact seating that they wanted. Yep. And now the basketball gods are giving them the karma that they deserve for doing that. <laughs> so uh, it's good to see. Yeah, and I think it's also fun to see kind of Luca. I'd like I'd like to see Luca go farther this year because I think like especially with the way he plays and the effort he puts into it, I think he deserves to go farther. As but like the rest of this team, like Porzingis and stuff, um, they deserve to go a little bit farther. I, I like the Mavericks. Interesting stat. Um, there's only been three players <clears throat> that have. Had 70-plus points, 15-plus rebounds, and 15-plus assists total in the first few games of a playoff series on the road. Okay, so we have Luka. Do you want to guess who the other two are? LeBron James and Larry Bird. Close. The third one was Russell Westbrook. Back oh, wow. In, in the 16-17 season. Okay. Um, so he's in – like, that was – those were both uh, – and LeBron, when he got that uh, stat line, that was the 2017-18 season. Okay. So, and LeBron did that in the NBA finals, obviously, because that was a team he just had to carry once again. But, and it's the same thing with Westbrook, because, you know, he's carrying that team with the Thunder. So he's, he's doing what, like, Luca's doing what he needs to do. And, like, you can expect Luca to step up in the playoffs. Like, I feel like he's definitely a more, there's a, I feel like there's a, a really good difference between him in the playoffs and him, like, in the regular season. I feel like sometimes he looks like he's a little more lax. Um, super casual in the way he plays in some regular season games. But when it comes down to, like, elimination, dude, like, dude puts it down on the floor. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll head over to the East. A game uh, matchup that's probably not going to be intriguing from what it looks like so far is between the Nets and the Celtics. <laughs> um, it kind of looked interesting in that first game um, because uh, Tatum kind of stepped up a little bit. You had some contributing players on the floor. I think they did um, – their download is kind of interesting. It seems oh, it always seems scrappy. I mean, you've got Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams the third. They're always going hard, but man, you just can't stop the big threes. Like even if you lock down one or two, someone else is going to step up and they're going to finish the game. Um, so last time it was it's it was like pretty even all around the board. Kevin Durant kind of led all scores, um, and then James Harden right behind him. Kyrie coming in at the end. Um, and they kind of snuck – it was really close going back and forth for those first three quarters. Nets came out at the end, um, took a double-digit uh, victory. Yesterday just looked not I, – I, I can't even say, like, it wasn't even entertaining at, at this yeah. point. Something that has really stood out to me from this matchup is what the Nets look like in transition offense. Like, they're freaky fast, and they know their, they know their role so well. Um, like, Joe Harris was, like, four for four – in the first quarter um, with like 14 points at the beginning because they would literally just, they would have a turnover from the Celtics. 
either Durant or Irving would book it down the floor and Harris would find his spot on the other side and they'd find him somehow wide open three. He shoots it. He scores. So they end up winning this one 130 to 108. And that wasn't even like the biggest uh, um, lead for them. Like they literally won by, what is that? 22 points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, (laughs) <laughs> what 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 stands out to you from this Brooklyn um, Boston matchup? Honestly, it just seems like the Celtics aren't even trying. They yeah. played Jason Tatum for 21 minutes last night. I feel like that's a really low amount to play your star player. Um, I don't know if that was because of injuries or or something, but he did have like a weird eye poke in like the third quarter or something. Okay. But interesting. Um, but I don't know. The Celtics team just kind of looks disinterested. Yeah. What really stands out to me about Brooklyn is you got their big three guys, uh, Kyrie, KD, and James Harden, and they've been phenomenal. But also their supporting cast around them has been great. Joe Harris, like you said, had a great game last night. Blake Griffin has been consistent for them, which is all you can ask from Blake Griffin. Landry Shamit has been great on offense and defense. Bruce Brown Jr. has been great on defense. Nicholas Claxton has been great on defense. Um I feel like, you know, the, their supporting cast is kind of the unsung hero for that team. Yeah. And that's what's going to get them far. Yeah. And I think something else that um, also stands out was kind of their defensive improvement. I think they ranked like 22nd or 23rd overall in regular season defense. Like they just weren't a good defensive team. Mm-hmm. In only like, I know this is like super early, but in like overall in the playoffs after the first two games, they're second overall in defense. Wow. So, like, I, they, they stepped it up. And you could kind of see it. They were locking down Tatum. That's what they needed to do because him and Kemba are basically – they have to be the saviors for that Celtics team if they even want to get a oh, win. Yeah. And so I think they found their rhythm and their identity on defense as well as – as far as it goes against the Celtics. So I think that's also going to be critical because that was really their biggest weakness. I think going – if they're going to go far is once it gets to the NBA Finals or, you know, the Eastern or Western Conference Finals, like defense really matters. Like people get into it on defense and that's what you have to do because obviously this automatic scores, they're going to go far. Like offense will just get you far in the playoffs. But I think what sets you apart once you get farther is that defensive uh, statistic. And I think that Brooklyn, if they step it up, if they have like a, you know, second overall defense in the playoffs with their offense, I consider them unbeatable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. So that one, that one's pretty easy to talk about. Bucks Heat looked really interesting in the first game. Um, went to overtime. Jimmy Buckets obviously getting that buzzer beater, and then Chris Middleton hits like that insane jumper, turnaround, elbow <laughs> shot. I was like, wow. I was stunned by that. Yeah, he's um, been he's been solid. Yeah, gr- like great piece, great addition. I love I love the Bucks team. I don't know, maybe they, it's like likable guys. Um, because um, we're kind of used to now like these Clippers and Nets teams where it's like full of – they kind of just packed all the guys you don't really like on the same team. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the Bucks team. Um, and then that second game, I they had like – it just didn't seem like anything was wrong with them. They cruised to another victory against the Heat. So now they're going to be going to Miami in the coming days. So what do you think um, we'll, we'll see out of this, this matchup? Um. You know, it's been a fun first two games, honestly. Um, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler have not played well. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can step up for game three. One thing that has surprised me that I feel like was kind of under the radar is how good the Bucks are at shooting. Um, yeah. The Bucks had the single game three-point record this year, and 
in their game two, they looked unstoppable from three-point line. Bryn Forbes was making every single shot. Bryn Forbes had the best first half of any role player I've ever seen. <laughs> Goes up and just makes like six threes in a row, and man, that, that was crazy. Um, but I feel like this Bucks team just has more ways to beat the Heat team. Um, last year, the Heat, I feel like they were really good at offense. I feel like um, Jimmy Butler was, you know, he wasn't necessarily efficient, but he was doing a good job at running the offense. I feel like Dragic and Tyler Hero were really good, and Duncan Robinson seemed to hit every single shot he took. Um, I think a lot of that was the bubble, and I think that is becoming evident in this series because Tyler Hero hasn't done jack squat. Duncan Robinson has been okay, but he hasn't done what you want what you were expecting him to do. Um, Dragic has been great for them. He's probably been their best player this series so far. But honestly, I just feel like this Heat team is not the same team it was last year. Um, I think the bubble really helped them be able to kind of play in their best element. And I just don't think they're going to be able to find that um, before the Bucks beat them. Milwaukee's up 2-0 right now. And honestly, Milwaukee looks really good. They're so solid defensively. Their offense has looked better than it has in a lot of years past. I think if they have a year to go to the Western Conference Finals or go to the Finals, it's probably this year with how well they're playing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I think I feel like the past few years, like they're always seated very high, but they're always an early playoff exit, which kind of stinks because um, I like the way that they're built around Giannis. Giannis is an interesting player to me. I think he – because of his size, he just plays a different game than most people. And so I, I'd really like to see him go far um, and see some interesting matchups in the East. Uh, Knicks and Hawks. Wow. What a, what a first game, honestly. Like, Amen. ton of emotion. Um, they had 15,000 fans, which was awesome to see. Um, and it – like we were, we talked about this matchup before, and the Hawks have like a lot of good talent. I think what was also interesting to see was like the Knicks, like they haven't been to the playoffs in like seven years, seven or eight years. Yeah. And so a lot of these guys, this was kind of their first go at it. Um, and Julius Randle was talking yesterday with the crew at TNT, um, just kind of talking about he had a lot of adrenaline going, which I think is, you know, obviously automatic for a first playoff game. It's a different environment coming out from the regular season. But he felt, and uh, the crew at TNT felt, like he was kind of rushing. And you could kind of see that with some other players. Luckily, Alec Burks literally had the game of his life. Oh, amen. You're welcome, <laughs> you New York Knicks. Um, which, is, which is really awesome to see because I love that guy. Um, but it, it seemed like at times the Knicks were kind of rushing it. Um, obviously, you kind of have a, a leader in Derrick Rose. Um, and some other, uh, like Taj Gibson's been around as well for a while. Um, but... Obviously, Trey Young came in at the end, had some had a crazy play to get to the basket, um, and then Randall's shot was blocked and didn't get off in time. And Trey beat the the Knicks as well as their fans who were just telling him to f off the whole time. Um, so let's see, yeah, Trey had thirty two points, thirteen in the fourth, ten assists. His game of basketball though is sometimes really hard to watch. Uh, just in terms of like, I feel like he's like looking to get to the free throw line. Like, I don't know. He just does some weird stuff that it, you kind of want to just see him, like, let's play, let's play some basketball, you know, yeah. even though I know like New York, uh, the New York's mayor came out and talked about that, <laughs> which is kind of weird, but 
What did you get from that first game between the Knicks and the Hawks? Man, I thought it was a fun game. It was really fun. I mean, how many – here's the thing about Trey Young. How many other players could you yell, F you, this person? And the reaction to it is just completely normal. Like, people understand, like, F you, Trey Young. Like, yeah, I'm on that. That's great. <laughs> like, other fans from other cities are going to join in on that. Um, I feel like there's not a lot of other players that get hated like that, like Trey Young does. And I feel like, honestly, a lot of it is because of his foul hunting. Um, he got one call towards the end of the game to tie it. Oh, yeah. Um, where, you know, there's there's very minimal contact. He had just puts his head back and flops his body and gets the call, and he makes his free throws. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what Trey Young really exceeds at more than anything. You know, he's a great playmaker. He is a good shooter from deep, but his foul hunting is where he's the best. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks attack him um, in game two because Trey Young is not good at defense. He's honestly very bad at defense. He's undersized. Um, he is not quick enough to stay with a lot of guys on defense. He's too small. Um, and I feel like the Knicks didn't exploit that enough. Um, so if I'm the Knicks coach, if I'm Tom Thibodeau, I'm telling Derrick Rose, I'm telling RJ Barrett, I'm telling Alec Burks, if you have Trey Young on you, you got to go attack. Um, yeah. You got to find the find a pick and roll. Um, get Julius Randle involved in the pick and roll and make Trey Young switch. Um, get him on a bigger guy and really attack that. I feel like it's such an easy thing to do, yet because it's so easy, they don't want to do it. Yeah. I, like New York is – like if you look at New York's roster, they've got like athletes, like yeah. really good athletes. Like even though – like talking about Alec Burks, he's in his 10th season. But I – like going back to his jazz days, like you expected like an athletic performance from him. Like he has some crazy dunks. Um, he can get up high. And obviously if he can get shooting, what, he had like 27 points? Yeah, he had 27. <laughs> like that's nuts. <laughs> if you can get like, I'm not saying he has to get like a career night every night, but these guys are athletes. And like you said, I think they can take it to this Hawks defense and really put it on him. Because like, especially in today's league, and we've talked about this before, is like, the athletic part of each player, like that's what makes you stand apart is say for an example, like a Joe Ingles who he's limited to what he can do because of, you know, his body shape, like, you know, what he looks like. Yeah. And you compare that to like Julius Randle, who looks like a freaking beast. Um, I think they can take it to the Hawks and they just have to exploit their weaknesses on defense because the Hawks are a really good offensive team. Like that Bogdanovich three at the end to tie it, like with like a minute left, like they've got really good shooters all around the board. So I think it really comes down to the physicality and like who's going to get down and gritty, who's going to want it more. I think the Knicks will take game two. Um, but I think that's going to be a really good, a really good matchup. I hope this series goes to seven. Really? I, I really <laughs> do. Um, Cause that's, that's really intriguing. I think the two that I really want to go to seven is Knicks, Hawks and Suns Lakers. Those are, those are the two ones I'm looking oh, at. Yeah. Um, Nuggets and trailblazers was also, is also very interesting, obviously because of Jamal Murray being out. But the Trailblazers took it to the Nuggets in game one. Um, and you were expecting this. You called this. You preached this in our last podcast. You you predicted that the Trailblazers would win this one in six. Um, and, and they went out. Um, Mello had a decent game. Lillard obviously showed up. Um, and then the second game, Denver kind of seemed to control the pace the entire time. Um, Damian had a crazy shot from the logo which was cool to see. I mean, it's really nothing new. But from start to finish, it seemed like Aaron Gordon, 
um, had a had a pretty good game as well as obviously um, Jokic and some other players. So what stood out to you from this Nuggets and Trailblazers matchup? So one thing I mentioned the previous time is uh, the big X factor for the Trailblazers is how well their bench performs. Um, in game one, Anthony Simmons had 14 and Carmelo had 18 off the bench. So you're getting like an easy 36 points off the bench right there. Which is good. Which is, um, yeah, you love when you get 36 points off the bench. Um, that's fantastic for them. Um, in game two, you had Carmelo with five, Cantor with four, Anthony Simmons with three, and Derek Jones Jr. with two. Um, so you're, you, they didn't quite get the same bench production that they did. Um, I feel like that's a big X factor for the for the Trailblazers because you know what Damian Lillard's going to do. He's going to drop 30-plus every single night. Um, and you know what Jokic is going to do. Monte Morris being back really helps the Nuggets. He's a great ball facilitator, and he knows how to cut with Jokic. Um, and he's able to get quick baskets and quick and easy baskets. Uh, I did not expect Paul Millsap to have such a good game. He had 15-7 and seven in Game 2. I don't think you're going to consistently get that from Paul Millsap. Yeah. Especially because I feel like the Trailblazers are pretty solid at the four position as far as defense goes. They have Robert Covington and uh, Carmelo Anthony to back up. And Carmelo's not in his defensive prime, but he's still capable, and he's a smart defender. Um, so honestly, I feel like the series is kind of anybody's because Jokic had a monster game too. Um, was Like you said, he was able to control the pace a little bit more. Um, he found more open guys. I feel like the defense of the Trailblazers kind of collapsed. Yeah. And I feel like a big part of that was because Yusuf Nurkic fouled out um, early in the game. And I just feel like Nurkic um, is kind of their big defensive guy. He's able to quarterback from behind. He's able to tell people where to go. And most importantly, he's able to um, guard Nikola Jokic just as much as you could ask for anybody to guard Nikola Jokic. Um, so I feel like, I don't know, if Nurkic can stay out of foul trouble in game three, it's going to be a competitive game. If not, then I think the Nuggets take it easy. Um, and I feel like Jokic is just going to destroy if they don't have Nurkic defending him. Yeah. I like he's a, he was a very big contributing factor to the way that they finished the regular season. Um, but what was also interesting in that second game matchup was Lillard, like in the first half, they were trailing by like almost 20 points at one point. Um, like I said, like Nuggets came out and, you know, they controlled that game. But Lillard in the second quarter drilled 22. He had 22 points in the second quarter. What was interesting is they made a defensive switch and had Aaron Gordon guard Damian Lillard for the rest of the game, in which he only had 10 points in the second half on two of nine shooting. Oh, wow. So um, I think they kind of found maybe, maybe they found a little bit of a, a golden nugget pun intended, <laughs> for what they should do against this Trailblazers team. Because um, because Dame, when, when the rest of the team's not performing, and you see this with a lot of teams that have an all-star, is when the team isn't performing, the all-star will, will, will play the role of savior, trying to like keep this team in the game in some shape or form. And obviously we saw that with Lillard in the first half of that game. And so I think, just like you said, you know what you're going to expect from him. I don't think like it's really easy to keep Lillard from going into d- double digits. Um, and so I think as long as the Nuggets and Coach Malone and those guys can keep finding switches to stop them, that's what's going to help them win this series. But I think this one was interesting. I like after that first, um, 
that first game, I thought, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to be close. Maybe, maybe Richie was like just absolutely right and just a preacher. But I mean, obviously, like this one's still close. Like this one could go either way. But I think we've seen the best from both teams in those first two games. So this will be interesting to see what happens in game three. Um, Sixers and Wizards. I think a matchup that absolutely no one watched because <laughs> I think we all expected like a similar outcome. But like the Wizards kind of put up a fight for the most part. Um, I, I liked their intensity. You can expect it from Westbrook. I like how Beal looked intense um, throughout the game. Um, but obviously they ended up losing that one because the Sixers are just – they're the Sixers. So what, what stood out to you from the game one series matchup between um, Philadelphia and Washington? The Sixers are just so much more deep than Washington. Washington, I feel like you have your two guys. You have Westbrook and you have Beal. And Westbrook's kind of easy to stop in the playoffs. Um, if you can, I mean, they have Ben Simmons guarding him. So if Ben Simmons is able to take away his mid-range, he's not going to kill you. Um, you know, Westbrook still had a decent game. He had 16 and 14 assists. Um, it's pretty good. Um, but I feel like the Wizards just aren't getting enough out of their other guys. Um, yeah. And I feel like they won't get enough out of their other guys. Whereas the 76ers, Tobias Harris had 37. Um, yeah, to, he went off. Joel Embiid, I feel like he kind of didn't have his greatest night, but he had 30. Um, ben Simmons had 15 assists. Seth Curry had 15. George Hill, who I feel like is completely washed, had, had 11. Uh, Dwight Howard has seven off the bench. Shake Milton has five. Tyrese Maxey with three. Um, so they're getting a lot of bench production. And I feel like that's where Philadelphia is so good, is they're so deep, uh, both offensively and defensively. Like I feel like one of their best defenders is on the bench in Matisse Thibault. And he's a great defender for putting against Westbrook and Beal. Um, and really in this series, those are the two guys you have to stop. Um, so I'm staying with my original prediction that the Sixers sweep the series. I think they're better coached. I think they're better equipped for a playoff series. Um, I think their depth is going to outlast the depth of the Wizards. And I think it's going to be over quick. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see because like, looking looking back like they kept quarters themselves close like i mean the sixers kind of won most of them by like five or six points or so but i think like that's critical like you said is that is the depth and the bench minutes like i think in order for the wizards to maybe take a game you need like davis bertans to maybe like you know drop 30 yeah drop 30 <laughs> just go because like i mean he can get hot but like someone needs to have an insane game to take a game from the sixers um but I agree. I think this one, we'll see what happens in game two, but I don't think we can expect much um, from this Wizards team. Okay, now going to the big matchup, the one, you know, Jazz fans want to hear about. Um, disappointing, really. Like, uh, that was kind of hard to watch, I'll be honest. Um, so we had that weird um, circumstance with Donovan and the the trainers of the Jazz. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit. But – what what happened to the Jazz in that first game? I feel like this has been a problem for the Jazz kind of all season is mentally they don't prepare for games. Because I feel like the Jazz is one of the most talented teams um, in the NBA. I feel like they have a lot of different ways they can beat you in Mike and Joe in Jordan and Bogey. Royce O'Neal can get hot um, and... I just feel like we did not come out mentally ready to play this Grizzlies team. Um, something that's been mentioned a lot by some ESPN guys, specifically Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. And I usually don't listen to Kendrick Perkins, yeah. but I think he's right about this. Um, 
is that the Grizzlies have been playing playoff basketball for about the last month. Yep. Um, and I think that's super true because they've been fighting for their play-in spot. And then in the play-in, they were playing at a very high level. Whereas the Jazz just took a week and a half off. Um, and who knows what they were doing. I was hoping that they'd be getting mentally and physically ready for this game. That they'd be scheming against the Grizzlies. That they know how to attack them right off the bat. But we just did not look good. Um, we scored 24 in the first quarter. And that doesn't sound as bad as it was. Because I feel like I feel like we had like an eight-minute drought where we just did not score yes. anything. Yes. And and then at the end of the quarter, I feel like we caught fire. Yeah. Um, and we went in winning. And we're like, wow, we were playing the worst basketball and we're still winning. Um, then in the second quarter, I feel like we had an even bigger collapse, um, especially towards the end of that quarter. Because we held the Grizzlies scoreless for like about the first four minutes of that quarter. Yeah. Um, and then they went and scored 32 and they went on a big like 14 and 0 run, I think. Um, I feel like Dylan Brooks is not going to drop 31 every game. No, he's not. Unless you let him. And I feel like we were kind of letting him. Yeah. You know, we were letting him get to where he wanted to be. And I feel like we weren't playing him physically enough. Dylan Brooks is the type of guy that you got to play physically. Um, I know he loves to get physical on defense, but I don't think he likes that as much as on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Valanciunas was good for them, but honestly, our center rotation was the best we've had our center rotation in a while. Uh, Derek Favors came out and played amazing bench minutes for us. He was the single bright spot for the Utah Jazz in this game. Yeah. Um, and Rudy ran into foul trouble. Interestingly enough, one of Rudy's foul, five fouls was on the shot. Um, and that's kind of abnormal because usually he'll have like most of his fouls on the shot. So like they're calling a lot of his fouls like charges or on the body. Yeah. Um, stuff that I don't know, I feel like should be ignored. Um, and honestly, the Jazz's offense just looked weak that first half. Yeah. And we dug ourselves into a hole and we could not get out of the hole. Yeah. I I think like more than anything, it was absolutely that like mentality. And I talked about this in the last podcast, specifically about Don, but I think like Don, I think Donovan's mentality has been there ever since like that Nuggets playoff series last time. Like this is what he's been working towards. But I think especially after this last season, when you have like, they were winning like a bunch of games super routinely, like just because of the way they played, like their talent on paper is way better than the Grizzlies in my opinion. Like it's, it's way better. Their depth goes, it's, it's farther. Um, and you have a lot of good offensive players, but that that game was really hard to watch, especially like you said on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I know that uh, the guys at uh, AT&T Sportsnet will not be able to say that Jordan Clarkson hit another three to keep his streak going because I was, I mean, as minimal as it is, like Jordan Clarkson didn't hit a three, and like yeah. what, like that's crucial. Like his bench minutes are really big for us. Um, it felt like Ingles was a little bit off as well. Like it just didn't seem like guys were shooting what they usually did. Bogdanovich turned it on in the last two quarters. Oh, yeah. Um, which he fought us back somehow into that game. But that's what really stands out. And, pe- like, people are going to look at that game and say, oh, my gosh, the Jazz blew it. But in my opinion, the, like, one bright spot is that we played, in my opinion, the second worst game of the year, and we lost it by three. And so that really comes to show the Grizzlies will fight their heart out every night. Like you and Kendrick Perkins said – They've been playing playoff basketball. They've had to play and they've had to win specific games to get to this point in time. 
And so they're going to be fighting every night, and especially guys like Dylan Brooks, who I am not a fan of in the slightest. You know he's going to be physical. He's been that way ever since it, ever since his college ball in Oregon. Um, and I think John Morant has kind of got a feel of the playoffs. Jonas Valanciunas is a really is a is a specifically kind of tough matchup for Gobert. He's a really good down low player. He's like the pinpoint of that team as well. Um, so I think more than anything. The, the Jazz, I think, will – that was like an anomaly or an outlier. Um, so we'll see what happens tonight in game two. But I think with Donovan back, even if he doesn't put out like his usual offensive numbers, just having him in the rotation, I think, will change the game. Because now you'll have Ingles coming in with the second unit, which I think will help with their scoring in terms of if someone's not you know, performing to what they need to do. So I think just having Donovan in the game will change this up drastically. Um, it was an interesting story, I think, on both sides from what happened with him and the PR trainers. Um, with him, you know, having going to shoot around on Sunday morning, talking to the media, and then like at 3, 3 p.m., uh, they pull him aside and say, hey, you're not playing tonight. And like everyone was blindsided, like including the players. Um, and Donovan was obviously frustrated. He took to social media, which I think is what made this story kind of blow up. Yeah. Um, so I kind of I kind of see blame for both sides of how this story just went just totally out of the water and everyone was just freaking out. Um, but now he's coming back, like literally less than 18 hours after that. They're like, okay, hey, yeah, he's playing a game two. Like in my personal opinion, I think they kept him out probably to think, well, let's see how we play against the Grizzlies without Donovan. You know, we've played a lot of good teams without Donovan and Conley and we've been able to, you know, put out some good wins. Let's see if we can do it in the playoffs. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, he's playing the night. So – what do you see from Don? What do you think will happen with Donovan coming in tonight with Jazz? I think where Donovan has been really valuable this year is he's an extra facilitator. Um, I feel like that's something we really lacked in game one, especially in the first half. Um, it's not my favorite thing when Jordan Clarkson is bringing the ball up because I feel like yeah. Jordan Clarkson can be great, but he's not at his best when he's having to make all the decisions. Um, he's really not a good decision maker in that sense. And that's why you want him to be your scorer. Um, you want him to get the ball when the offense is slow and you want him to go score some impossible baskets. Um, that's what he's been great at all year and that's what we want him to keep doing. So having Donovan is so helpful for that reason because Donovan's able to go in, he's able to immediately um, be a facilitator. And Donovan has shown that he's a more than capable playmaker this year. He's great at finding the pass um, and finding the guy to make the extra pass as well. And I think that's going to be super valuable. Um, I, I feel like Donovan's defense has also been decent in the playoffs. I think he kind of steps it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's one of our biggest weaknesses, but I'm hoping that he comes in mad on both sides. I hope he matches up with Dylan Brooks because they've had their scuffles in the, in the regular season that were so fun to watch, um, where Donovan just drops 35 on him every time. So I'm really hoping that Donovan brings that mentality into game two. And um, I feel like if he does, then the rest of things just open up for our team when Donovan gets hot. It's so true. Like, um, and that's the one thing I can like truly be confident in, especially coming into the playoffs is where Donovan's mentality is going to be at. Like, that's one thing I can like clearly state is I think like he knows what playoff basketball is about, especially because we saw that in the Denver series last year. Like he showed up in that first game, dropped a casual 57. Um <laughs> And like, I think he had, didn't he have another fifty point game too? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he had three fifty point games in the first series. If I'm 
not cur- not wrong. Yeah, like he 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 showed up, and I think more than anything, what that series taught him was he can be a true facilitator, like you said, of the game. But then after that, he also wanted to show up and pass to other guys. He wanted to pull up his assist game, which I think he's he's done for the most part in the season. Um, so I'm I'm really excited for that tonight. I think we also saw what you were talking about with him bringing up the ball. There were a lot of turnovers in that first and second quarter. Like, I feel like every time it was either Bogey or Clarkson, they'd bring it up the floor. Either Bogey would put it down to drive it and he'd get it taken from him, or Clarkson would bring it up the floor, take about three dribbles, and someone else would have – one of the Grizzlies would have it on the transition. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, great, we have, like, what, eight turnovers in the first quarter? Um, <laughs> which, obviously, you can't win with a lot of turnovers like that. Like, that's an, that's an insane amount of turnovers for the start of a game. Um, what was interesting to see was that even though if the Jazz were down for more than double digits in the you know final minutes of the quarter, they were able to bring it back to at one point a one point game, um, which shows like they can they can close at the end if they really put their mind to it. I think you have a lot of shooters, and obviously by that point you're going to find someone who's hot, um, and they're going to find people to close out that game. I think what's also interesting is in last year's series with Denver, we won games two, three, and four like by pretty wide margins. Like yeah. it seemed like they were pretty easy games and that Utah kind of found their stride against them for those three games. I think what they lacked in the end, and this is why Donovan's really focusing on it, was that mentality to finish them, to kill them. Yeah. I think they got super casual in those last games besides the last one to the point where, well, yeah, now they're kind of screwed, you know. And so coming into these games, I think it's super crucial for them to say, you have to have that killer mentality where we're going to go out and we need to slaughter them. We need to show them what we do all in all facets of the game. So they need to they need to come out and do, especially in game two. I think this is a must win for the Jazz, obviously to you know try and take back home court advantage. But how do you see this series now playing out um, for the rest of the time? I feel like if Donovan remains healthy the rest of the series, that Jazz win in six. I can still see the Grizzlies winning another game. Um, but you know, I feel like each individual matchup is going to be close. But I feel like the series isn't going to be close overall. Is as close as people might think it is. Yeah. Um, this Jazz team has shown that they're talented the entire year. All we have to do is get back to what we were doing to be successful, which was shooting great, um, passing the ball, and playing solid defense. And so I feel like if we can focus on those things and bring that into the rest of the series, that we win we win fast, you know? Yeah. I think every game is going to be competitive because the Grizzlies are a tough team. Um, John Morant has a killer mentality. Dylan Brooks is honestly a sociopath. Like, he needs to be checked into a mental. <laughs> like that headbutt against Conley, I was like, "Hey, this dude is on some." He's like, on drugs. Mike Conley was his locker mate, dude. Like, Mike Conley was his vet when Dylan Brooks first got into Memphis. And Mike Conley is one of the nicest guys ever. Yeah, just the most loved NBA player ever. Um, but yeah, Dylan Brooks is a sociopath. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Game two is big, like you said. Um, I feel like if the Jazz win game two, then that really helps us. I mean, obviously we go into Memphis for games three and four, um, but I feel like we are able to control our own destiny a little bit more. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Do you have any bold predictions for tonight's game? Donovan's going to score 40. Donovan's going to score. Hey, you heard it here first on the Thatcher effect. So make sure to come back here and tell your friends. We Richie Osler said Donovan was going to grab 40 before he grabs it tonight. Um, I think my bold prediction is that uh, Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson will both be players of the game tonight in terms of bench points. Okay. 
Um, I'm going to say that both of them have 15 plus um, on pretty good shooting. So we'll see what happens tonight. I'm kind of excited. Um, obviously, a tough letdown with that first game, but I think game two is when they're really going to step it up. Um, so we'll be excited to see what happens tonight. I think it's at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on TNT again. Also, I loved having Kevin Harlan commentate that game. That dude's like one of my <laughs> it, It's a blessing. Favorites. Honestly, is I'm just waiting for Mike Breen to finish it off. Oh, um, please. Two of my favorites to do it. Um, sweet. So thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, we'll make sure to catch you guys next week on The Thatcher Effect. Thanks, guys. If you'd like to listen to more of The Thatcher Effect, make sure to catch us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review. Also, make sure to tell your friends and family to also subscribe and to follow along with us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Thatcher Effect Podcast.